Very excited to have today's guest join us. Uh, welcome to the show, Lauren Shahadi from MLB Network. Al, it's so good to be here and talk to you. I'm excited. Yeah, the likewise. I haven't heard your voice in a while. It's good. It kind of took me aback. Uh, so <laughs> great, great to have you on the show. And uh, looking forward to uh, talking some Astros, which uh, you know, was kind of funny because you know, we had some exchange about what we we're going to talk about and, and uh, you know, sort of uh, meeting of the minds. You said, why don't we talk about the Astros? And, and I was about to, to send you a message. Why don't we talk about the Astros? So we're, we're in agreement there. And I think we should be in agreement that uh, the place to start is with the AL Player of the Week, George Springer. Uh, two home runs on Sunday, seven home runs out of his last eight games. Uh, I, going into the season, Lauren, I had a really hard time trying to figure out what kind of player to expect Springer to be. Was he going to steal bases? Was he going to hit for average? I didn't really think he was going to hit for this kind of power. I mean, do you think that this is, this is now finally the real George Springer? So funny you say that. I covered the Astros in the postseason uh, against the Royals a couple of years ago, and he was just—he's just a dynamic figure in the clubhouse as well as at the plate. Um, he's so fun to watch, and we talk to AJ Hinch about this all the time. We say he's not the traditional leadoff guy. Why would you bat George Springer in leadoff? And his answer, Al, was he's provocative. And we thought, what does that, what does that even mean? But you're kind of <laughs> seeing it. You know, he's on pace for 45 homers, over 100 RBI. He's been the catalyst that gets the offense going. He's let off six games with home runs this season. Think about that. Think of another, and I know the evolution of a leadoff hitter has changed, and never is it more evident than right now. But George Springer is the poster child for that. You know, the Cubs tried it with Kyle Schwarber, a different leadoff guy than I think than traditionally you would think and it's not worked in the beginning it's not working so far but George Springer just keeps on proving that he's perfect in that spot yeah it's odd because you know well from the fancy perspective we say well what a waste of all that power you know with the bottom of the order hitting ahead of him but yeah like you said I think there just must be a comfort level for there for him because he's really uh you know really become a, a different player there in the leadoff spot um yeah. Now, no, in, in your coverage of the Astros, how much uh, you were able to, to, you know, talk to Carlos Correa. But one of the things that I always think about whenever I'm, I'm tracking his performances, I had a, a talk with somebody in the Astros organization, uh, I'd say probably about a year ago, maybe a little more than a year ago. Uh, and they said, you know, what he did as a rookie is, is the real deal that, that this person had never seen somebody with that level of maturity at such a young age. Um, so I don't know yeah. what your dealings of if any of so Is that your impression as well? Totally. We have the draft coming up, the, the first overall. That's the exact kind of guy you would want, a, a position player like Carlos Correa that can you know, change the, the complexion of the team, that can change an inning. He's been red hot since April. Um, and we'll have the conversation, like, is he the best offensive shortstop in the game? It, it, over the streak, he's been incredible. Um, but that's, that's a hard conversation with so many greats in the game he one of the one of my dealings with him when we were in was he had met a kid who was I think I think he was he was physically challenged in in some way and he brought a cake to the kid's school for his birthday no press was around nobody caught wind of it except for one reporter and then it became public but he's the kind of guy that you want in the clubhouse he doesn't tell anyone when he goes and does things like that he's both tremendous on the field and off the field it's really been a breakout year for him as well absolutely i mean do you think uh that we could actually when you know he came out of that 
rookie season, that you know, really half season where he put up those amazing numbers. Uh, a year ago, I was convinced that he was just sort of running away from the field. Um, of course, the, the field got pretty good with Trey Turner and, and right. Xander Bogarts, and this year, Elvis Andrews uh, improving. Uh, but do you think he is uh, the far and away the best at the shortstop position? I don't. I just don't. I don't. I think there's too many. You said you mentioned Trey Turner. Uh, Francisco Lindor. I mean, yeah. he, he's homered 12 times a season. He's on pace for 35. His smile lights up a room and it lights up the clubhouse. We talk a lot of, a lot to these guys, you know, and, and about what makes them tick. And he's um, the kind of player that leads by example. He changes the dugout. Um, he would be my pick. But, uh, gosh, Carlos Correa, not, not far behind. All right, all right. Well, that's it's it's a yeah. That's a that'd be a really big call to say that he's far away yeah. the best shortstop when there's so many good ones. Uh, now, Marvin Gonzalez. I mean, he's been a real surprise. I mean, much more than than even Correa or Springer. Um, but they have so much depth on that roster. Do you think that Gonzalez has the staying power to actually play close to regularly, like he has up to this point uh, for the remaining four months of the season? I always, whenever I think of Marwin Gonzalez and who, who was Marwin Gonzalez before the season, I always, these guys who come on the map and then their mainstays in a lineup, it's just, it's shocking to me, but I always go back to Ben Zobris, what he did with Kansas city uh, before he did on the North side of Chicago, super utility man, extraordinaire. You see him in right field, then you see him in left field, then you see him at second base. And the way he changes a ball game, Marwin Gonzalez, he has that kind of stuff. I mean, his career high in home runs is 13. He already has 12. He needs to be in the lineup every day. The good thing is there's plenty of space for him because he can play everywhere. He's played first, he's played second, he's played third, shortstop, left, right field this season. I mean, the definition of versatility is Marwin Zell. He should be an all-star. And I know that Houston Astros are going to be well-represented. Miami, Marvin Gonzalez, his numbers are totally worthy of an all-star game nomination. I know he's not on the ballot right now, but the fan vote, he would be my pick. Yeah, well, and I, I definitely could see him as being somebody who, you know, would be picked as, as a reserve, you know, probably not as a write-in, but, uh, uh, and I, I, you know, I've talked on the show before about uh, having an issue with people getting on the All-Star team because of two or three good months, but I, I could see a case for, for Marwin Gonzalez, and Hinch has seemed to really like him even when he wasn't contributing this much offensively, so given that he is, it does seem like, it seems to me like he could stay in the lineup all year. Um, How do you judge? Uh, here's my question. Yeah. How do you judge an all-star if you're not judging three months of the, like the first two, three months? Like you're saying proven track record over a couple of years. Yes, exactly. Cause that okay. all-star yeah. label sticks with you for your whole career. And just as a, from a fan's perspective too, um, I don't know. I just, to me, it's, it's something I cut. It's kind of a carryover from being a kid because, you know, you're a kid and you watch the all-star game and you're sort of being introduced to the game. And so, you know, you're being presented as these are the best players and the biggest names in the game. Yeah. And, you want to see and, Albert Pujols. You don't want to. Exactly. Yeah. And, and at this stage of his, of his career, maybe not Albert Pujols, but um, certainly, I mean, it's sort of escaping me. Somebody who's been really good. Miguel Cabrera perhaps might be a better example. Um, yeah, you know, no, I get that. Best. Yeah. Uh, well, speaking of all stars, I think that maybe, maybe Marwin Gonzalez yeah. wouldn't have another chance to go. <laughs> That's true. But I totally That's get true your too. Point. <laughs> I totally get your point. <laughs> 
Yeah, well, you know, since we're talking about All-Stars, I mean, we, I, even though I don't know if there's a whole lot to say that hasn't been said about Jose Altuve, I mean, we, we got to, you know, give him a nod at least, uh, talking about the Astros. And the thing that I found interesting is that, as as was pretty much expected before the season started, he's way ahead of all the other second basemen, both in terms of fantasy value and real-world values measured by war. But he's not, you know, the second or third most viable player. And that's typically how he was being drafted in fantasy drafts. And one of the players ahead of him is Aaron judge. So, you know, you've got the established Altuve, you've got the rookie Aaron judge. Do you think judge will, will be uh, more valuable and more productive than Altuve uh, four months from now? That's such a hard question. We had both of them in the studio and they're, they couldn't be more opposite. There's a, like a person and height difference between them. Um, judge is very, modest and kind so is Altuve in personality they're very gentle when they speak but you know killers on the field Jose Altuve happens to be my favorite player in the game just for the way the way he plays um and 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 one of you know one of my gripes is the judges chambers at Yankee Stadium they have this little section where that's uh dedicated to Aaron Judge's fans and they dress up as judges and it's kind of like this you know this little um tribute to him my only problem is he's played 80 games. You know, I, I, I can't imagine they didn't do that for Mariano Rivera. <laughs> no, <laughs> I, I just think that he's, he, I think that when you're comparing those two people, it's so hard because judge has been jaw dropping, but Altuve is as close to a sure thing in the sport as we have 200 hits the last three seasons, um, leading the league, all three seasons, the power should come at some point for Altuve, you know, I, I don't know. I think I'm I'm an Altuve all the way because he's just proven it for longer. Yeah, I I could just see Judge not necessarily you know having a monumental slump, but enough of one where he he just goes back to the pack a little bit, you know. But uh, yeah. so Have to yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, moving on from the the Astros to the Yankees and really to the AL East as a whole. Uh, the Yankees, of course, in first place right now. Um, you know, it's been a quick order, become a very loaded roster. But they've got a number of players who I think are potentially overperformers. Um, Judge, again, maybe just by a slight bit, but Brett Gardner, um, Starlin Castro, Aaron Hicks, I did not foresee this level of production from them. Luis Severino seems to be the real deal, but, um, you know, again, another young player. Uh, between, you know, all those players on the Yankees who could be overperformer candidates, and then looking at some of the other rosters in the AL East, are there any players that stand out you think that could shift the balance in what is still a pretty tight-knit division in the standings? You know, I would agree with you that I think they're all overperforming. I don't think they'll all under underperform at the same time. Matt Holiday was someone you didn't mention. What a great signing for the Yankees. He was kind of like an afterthought. And he's been fantastic. We're, you know, we're exactly one-third of the way through the season. The Yankees are 10 games over 500. I think baseball is better, more enjoyable when the Yankees are good. And I don't know if that's my East Coast bias or because I live in New York City. I'm not a Yankee fan. So that, that just comes from watching the Yankees throughout my years. When I turn on the Yankee game, it's been exciting. And the past year and a half, I would say, it wasn't that way. And now the brand of baseball, I think, is back. I think they're playing exciting baseball. It's safe to say that they're good. And if they're still in the lead around the deadline, I, I think they add. You know, last year we saw them sell for the first time in forever. Um, the AL is just stacked. I think they're, they have a two-game lead right now. There's too much star power, though, in the East. To, to, this is going to go down, in my opinion, to the last week, the couple days. Red Sox with Sale and Price, Porcello, Blue Jays, Donaldson's healthy. 
um, Batista, all the power hitters in Baltimore, um, Boston, Toronto. You know, I, I kind of wrote Toronto off, but I'm not I'm not writing them off anymore. I think the East is anyone's game. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think uh, we'll see the three inter- teams out of the East, just like last season, maybe. <laughs>